Hello, and welcome to the Beyond Borders podcast, the podcast that explores topics related to international trade. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about USMCA, the United States-Mexico-Canada Agreement. This podcast is brought to you by Buckland. For over 70 years, Buckland has been working to help companies across the world experience global trade in a better way. As a customer-focused company, we provide you with a single source of unmatched customs brokerage, trade-managed solutions, freight forwarding, trade technologies, and warehousing and distribution services. I'm your host, Jenny Kaus, Marketing and Communications Specialist at Buckland. And today joining me by phone from our Southfield, Michigan office is our guest, Jody Potter. Jody is the Compliance Supervisor at Buckland and holds her Bachelor's in Economics and International Business. She's also a licensed customs broker and has her Certified Customs Specialist designation. Jody has a great deal of expertise in trade programs and has been with Buckland since 2015. Welcome to the podcast, Jody. Hi, Jenny. Thank you for having me. So, Jody, you've joined me today to talk about the USMCA or the United States Mexico Canada Agreement that has been in the headlines and is certainly top of mind for those in the trade community right now. We're going to be discussing how we got here to this new agreement, which was signed by the three countries at the end of November at the G20 event in Argentina. Uh, we'll be talking about what the next steps are, how to be prepared, and what to do if you have questions about this new agreement. Jody, uh, to talk about where we are today, I think it's probably relevant for us to talk about where this all started and where we came from. NAFTA is, of course, the predecessor to the USMCA. So why don't we start there? Sure, starting at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so NAFTA has been in place since 1994. Uh, for the last 24 years, uh, U.S., Canada, and Mexico have been using this trilateral trade agreement. There's a lot of conflicting information uh, about the impact of NAFTA. But overall, uh, most analysis points to benefit to the member, member economy. President Donald Trump was very open about the fact that he wanted to renegotiate or terminate NAFTA. And early in 2017, at the beginning of his term, he set these plans in motion. Uh, eventually, it was announced, officially announced, that the U.S. would call for a renegotiation. I certainly do recall that happening. That was very big news when it occurred and it caused a great deal of commotion in the trade community. So once that call for renegotiation was announced, uh, can you provide us with a recap of what followed? Sure. Um, The the first round of these renegotiations uh, between the three partners began in uh, 2017, August, and continued for just over a year, wrapping up the end of September 2018, when an agreement was reached by all parties. In total, there were nine rounds of formal negotiations. The lead negotiators were uh, Christia Freeland for Canada, Robert Lighthouser for the United States, and Ildefonso Guajardo Villarreal for Mexico. Mm -hmm. After the agreement was reached on September 30th, 2018, there was a 60-day waiting period for review, and the agreement was signed by all three countries 
just recently on November 30th, 2018. Well, they were all in attendance at the G20 summit in Argentina. That was certainly um, an event that had come after a long waiting period. And I think a lot of people um, maybe were in a bit of disbelief that couldn't believe that it was actually happening and that it had been signed. Um, I would like to think that there was a sigh of relief, but I know there wasn't. Um, I know a lot of people were really anxious to find out what this actually would mean. Uh, yeah, so I, I think there was probably definitely some relief that negotiations had finally been closed and mm-hmm. that there was a signed agreement. Um, there was definitely a lot of back and forth, and it's difficult for companies to be prepared when they have no idea what's coming. Um, unfortunately, relief is unlikely to come in uh, in the following year, in 2019. If all three countries ratify the agreement, it's likely it wouldn't go into effect until early 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, NAFTA remains in place until this happens, but that still leaves a lot of uncertainty and how things will play out, especially with the 232 tariffs remaining in effect. And that's, is that the steel and aluminum <clears throat> tariffs? Steel and aluminum tariffs, correct. Okay. So now, you know, like you mentioned on November 30th, that agreement was signed um, and you talked about kind of when it would go into effect. Can you describe what the next steps are, how this will play out? Sure. Each country is now responsible to uh, ratify the agreement before it officially goes into force. Until that point, NAFTA is still in place. Okay. And I think that's an important thing to uh, to keep in mind as well. I think a lot of people picture it, you know, USMCA, okay, that's in now. Um, but it is still NAFTA uh, until everything has gone through the appropriate channels for USMCA. Um, speaking of which, when is it anticipated that USMCA will officially be in place? I heard you say a little earlier, um, potentially 2020. I've heard some different things. Um, what do you think is going to happen? Okay, I think uh, I think that implement, implementation of USMCA would uh, would probably be early 2020. Okay. Uh, at this point, there's a lot of speculation. Uh, Mexico's economy minister indicates that he believes that the new agreement would go into force in the second half of 2019. Okay. I think that's probably too early. A new U.S. Congress will take place in uh, January 3rd, 2019. And the process will then begin for um, USMCA to be considered. Most accounts of the future for USMCA estimate July as being a timeline for it to be signed into law. Uh, And then again, implementation would take place, you know, probably uh, within three months after that timeframe. And I know we will certainly be watching this really closely to see how this process transpires and make sure that we keep everybody up to date. Um, you can certainly watch the um, Buckland newsletter uh, for that, and as well as our website and our Twitter and LinkedIn accounts. We'll certainly be keeping everybody up to date on the process uh, of this. And I mean, it's certainly top of mind for us, so we want to make sure that we're keeping everybody in the loop. Um, Jody, you mentioned that there were nine rounds of negotiations. And I recall um, over the last 
say year and a half, there were so many ups and downs. Um, many of these being centered around tariffs. Yes. Yes. Uh, tariffs have certainly been a very big topic over the past year and specifically the tariffs on steel and aluminum, uh, which have had a huge impact on the automotive and manufacturing sectors. Uh, the United States announced tariffs on steel and aluminum in March 2018 uh, to protect domestic steel and aluminum. There was a 25% tariff on steel and a 10% tariff on aluminum imports. Uh, the EU, Canada, Mexico, Australia, Argentina, Brazil, and South Korea were all given temporary exemptions from the tariffs. But Canada, Mexico, and the EU eventually had these exemptions expire at the end of May 2018. Following this, there were retaliatory tariffs that were put in place by China, Canada, Mexico, and the, the EU in order to match the U.S. tariffs. They included a range of goods in order to have a similar impact on the U.S. economy that the steel and aluminum tariffs had on these other countries. And that was certainly something that added fuel to the fire at these negotiations and made things very tense between the parties involved. Uh, the term trade wars was used in the media very frequently, and it was debated as to Absolutely. whether this was or wasn't technically a trade war. Um, now that the USMCA was signed on November 30th, a common question um, that we're hearing is, okay, so what's the difference? You know, what do we need to know about USMCA uh, versus the former agreement, NAFTA? Can you walk us through some of the differences? Sure. Um, in general, many of the key elements of NAFTA have been maintained. However, there are some specific areas that have been changed or been added to. Um, one area is, uh, that has affected a lot of change is the automotive rules of origin. Uh, the total North American content of a vehicle must equal 75%. This is a change. It's up from 62.5%. That's quite a drastic change. Wow. Uh, 70% of all steel, aluminum, and glass used in the production of the automobile must originate in, the, in North America. There is also the addition of required labor content. The average wage requirement of $16 an hour, 40% of a car, and 45% of a light truck, this will phase in over five years. Uh, another area um, that has changed is under intellectual property. An increase of eight years to 10 years of the time that a pharmaceutical company can maintain a patent on biologics. And also copyright terms were extended from 50 years after the death of an author to 70 years. Another area that held a lot of contention and that was covered in the news uh, quite a bit with the sunset clause. Mm. Uh, there is now a renewable 16-year term for the deal, which is an improvement over the original five-year sunset clause that was set in place. I remember this being a, a pretty big deal when they were talking about this, about having some sort of an, um, I want to call it almost expiration date on this. Correct. Yeah, five, five years, um, I think the biggest contention there with five years is that it, it just doesn't give a lot of time for companies to plan ahead. 
Dairy market access is is a big one for Canada. Uh, the U.S. was able to gain more access to Canada's dairy market, while Canada was able to increase exports of dairy, peanuts, and sugar to the U.S. Okay, great. There were also some other uh, changes I'd like to mention. Um, dispute resolution. Uh, this restricts Chapter 11 between the U.S. and Mexico and eliminates it between U.S. and Canada. Chapter 11 refers to an investor state dispute resolution mechanism, uh, also called, called ISDS. Uh, chapter 19 and 20 were left untouched. Chapter 20 is the country-to-country dispute resolution mechanism, which was maintained. And Chapter 19 is the anti-dumping and countervailing duty dispute resolution mechanism, which was also maintained. So those were some things that stayed the same, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And then uh, currency-wise, uh, the USMCA dictates that the three countries will maintain market-determined exchange rates and refrain, refrain from competitive devaluations of their currencies. What can a business do to prepare themselves for the day when, whenever it is, that USMCA finally comes into force? Um, What should they be doing right now to make sure that they're prepared? Sure. So I think it's really important to note that as of right now, nothing has changed yet. Uh, NAFTA remains in place and will likely remain in place through 2019. So companies should continue to do everything that they have been doing Uh, but also should look to prepare for the future. Uh, In order to be prepared for future changes with USMCA, now is the time to work with your partners in your supply chain and with your broker. Your broker is well-situated to help you prepare for and mitigate exposure to cost and risk. Uh, Brokers with in-house customs counseling services, like Buckland, are certainly best situated to be of assistance. Uh, So if you're looking for some practical steps that you can take now to prepare yourself, I would recommend you review the USMCA text and the new rules of origin for your specific product. You want to verify that your products will still qualify for duty-free status under the new agreement and give yourself time to make necessary changes if they don't. Okay. Okay. Many companies that have been affected by uh, Section 232 and 301 duties have looked towards uh, tariff engineering, operational engineering, bonded facilities, and duty drawback as possible possible avenues for avoiding duty impact. Many of these same options can also be used in assistance in navigating changes in USMCA. We should also understand the impact of the new de minimis threshold on cross-border transactions. Uh, We didn't touch on de minimis yet, but de minimis is the value threshold where an importer can move shipments of merchandise without paying taxes or customs duties. Raising de minimis facilitates imports by reducing costs and expedites border clearance, but has a resulting negative impact on security measures made by customs. Uh, There was a recent investigation showing high percentages of packages not passing uh, regulation. This also allows for foreign companies to reach consumers that they would not otherwise be able to. Many have voiced concerns as this allows for greater volume of cheaper goods from China. 
Um, there has also been uh, recent discussions in the U.S. of lowering de minimis back down to $200, as Mexico and Canada de minimis levels are still significantly lower than the 800 that is set for U.S. now. Okay. Um, companies can also um, reassess over, overall structures of their North American supply chain. Uh, all of these changes in trade force companies to take a new look at their supply chain. In scenarios where supply chain integrity cannot be maintained, companies are looking to shift sourcing to compensate. Thank you so much, Jody. That's some uh, really good practical things that people can be doing right now while they're waiting. Um, you know, you can certainly do things to be proactive and know what the impact uh, is going to be to you rather than just simply waiting and seeing. Um, there are things in place now that you can look at and you can do and we can, uh, I, I kind of wonder, can you tell us how maybe Buckland can help if someone's hearing this and thinking, oh my gosh, you know, this, this sounds overwhelming. I'm not sure where to start. What can Buckland do uh, to help? Absolutely. Um, you know, it definitely can be overwhelming. There's a lot of information that covers, you know, a lot of different areas um, mm -hmm. that, that touch a business. And we absolutely can help. Uh, if you have any questions about this, please don't hesitate to reach out to our customer service group at CSA group at buckling.com. Our team is, is always ready to assist. Great. Because um, those are certainly, I mean, some of those things that you went through, it's very practical advice, but, you know, people may need some assistance uh, if they're doing that. So that's great to know that you can reach out to Buckland to ask questions and to get help with those things. And sending an email to csagroup at buckland.com is definitely a great first step to reach out to us if you have any questions. And we certainly encourage you to do so. Jody, thank you so much for joining me today and talking to me about the USMCA or the United States, Mexico and Canada agreement. And I should also mention uh, for those listening in Canada, you may have heard it referred to as the CUSMA. Um, it's just a, a different order of the countries as Canada is referring to it differently. Um, but thank you so much for talking to me today about this. This really shed some light on this uh, very interesting topic and what a com uh, timely conversation. Thanks, Jenny. It was great being here. And that's the Beyond Borders podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to our very special guest, Jody Potter, for joining us and for sharing your wealth of expertise. If you're looking for more resources related to international trade, check out buckland.com and click on the learning section. You'll see that across the top of the website. Here, you will find a range of resources, including learning guides, webinars, and podcasts. Our downloadable learning guides include INCO terms charts, common trade terminology, and many, many more. We host live monthly webinars, and we invite you to sign up online to secure your spot for an informative presentation followed by a Q&A session. The best way to keep up to date on all of these resources I've mentioned is through our weekly newsletter. We send out a weekly newsletter every single Wednesday containing our latest resources as well as a roundup of the latest trade news delivered straight to your inbox. To sign up for this newsletter, visit our website and there's a spot to sign up on the bottom of every page on our site. So it's not difficult to find and we'd be happy to have you join that list and get all of this information 
right to your inbox. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us through our website's contact us page, through CSA group at buckland.com, through Twitter, where our handle is at Buckland Tweets, or through our LinkedIn company page. Thank you again for listening to the Beyond Borders podcast and be sure to tune in again and subscribe for more great conversations about importing, exporting, and everything else in the world of logistics and international trade.